Kind of crazy, kind of crazy line to sing, I am a child of God. It's a, it's a worshipful thing to sing. It, it uh, states our status in the world. I'm a child of God. At the same time, it's, it's like this statement of responsibility. As a child of God, I have to have these responsibilities as I walk the planet. One of, one of the really fun things we, we do here at Radius is um, about this time of year, we start pooling our resources, our money to uh, take care of impoverished families in our, in our community. So if you've been here for a while, you know we do this every year. If, the, if you're brand new, we do take about five weeks, and every week we'll, we'll, we'll uh, be talking about, we've got this little flyer on your seat. We call it Give Hope. It's not the most ingenious name ever, but it's, it's just what we call it. And it's a chance for us to take our resources and get them all the way to the folks in need. What's, what's happened over the years is we've created these partnerships. So we have uh, teachers and guidance counselors and administrators. We've got the Easy Center and some, some other organizations in town that are our partners. And they actually they have real relationships with folks in need. And so for us, it's really cool. We pool our money and we're able to get that all the way to the folks in need. We decided to do this a while back because... I don't know, man. At Christmas time, everybody's kind of in the giving mood and end up buying presents for everybody, and then people struggle to eat and have shoes. So this is our way to kind of get it to them, get it to folks that are really needy, and uh, it's just fun for us to be able to be who we are, a child of God, and give our stuff away. What happened over the course of time that if you've been with us for a while, you've seen this, it somehow, we didn't expect this, it built this trust between you, the body of Christ here at Radius, and the community, like the, the generosity going through, being given through other conduits to get to the most impoverished families has built this trust. And very regularly, somebody will come in the door and say, I'm here visiting Radius because, give hope, because of the way you guys are generous in the community, which is pretty cool. So it kind of goes hand in hand. It's both opportunity to truly be generous and then on, on the flip side, it builds this trust. Right now, there's a ton of skepticism for everything in the world, right? Everybody's skeptical about everything for good reason. And certainly folks are skeptical about the church and Christians. It's a cool way to build some trust. And uh, we really enjoy it. So if you want to participate, if you're like me, I still have a checkbook. Some of y'all young people don't even know what a checkbook is. <laughs> My kids keep borrowing mine because they ain't got one. Like, like, they're not, like they Venmo me the money and ask me to write a check because they don't have one. If you old school like me and you want to put cash or a check, you can just drop it in our little boxes in the back. If you're new school, I know you know how to do it. Just go online, find a drop down, and there it'll be. We'll, we'll take care of it. We, we have some fun with it. We report it at the end. And uh, what we've learned how to do is really hold accountable our partners. And so we, we've trimmed some and we've added some. We'll do that every year to try to be as efficient as we can as you give. Let me pray and we'll open up the book of Ephesians. Yeah, I sing those words, Lord. I, it's really hard for me to slow down enough to enjoy the fact that I'm your child, Father. I confess that even now. We confess that as a body, as we hustle, and even as this uh, holiday season approaches us, Lord, our minds start bouncing to and fro and Lord, just slow us down for a minute. We just want to enjoy the fact, those of us that have believed in your son, that we're your children. We thank you. We thank you for your word, for its power. 
We pray that you make it jump off the page for us today, that you teach us, you'd encourage us with it. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in the book of Ephesians. If you haven't been with us, we're calling the series We Are uh, up until Christmas. We'll change it in the new year, but Ephesians is just a book in the Bible, right? So, like, so just, it's just one of, there's 66. This is one of the 27 in the New Testament, and it's actually a letter written to a people. So the guy who writes the letter, you guys probably know at this point, his name's Paul. He's kind of famous. They call him St. Paul often. And the people are the people that live in Ephesus. So we call the book Ephesians because the people in Ephesus are called what? Ephesians. So like you guys, if you live in Lexington, you're called Lexingtonians, right? Like I guess if you live in White Knoll, you like White Nolians. I don't know, like like we call people like so when you read the title of the book Ephesians, it was just a natural thing to call it because this guy Paul wrote a letter to people in Ephesus, and so this is the church at Ephesus. He knows them. So, so when you read the Bible, sometimes you read it like it's way far away, but Paul knows real people in the church at Ephesus, so he looked around and he could name names. He hung out with them for three years, so he could name names. He remembers. They have memories together. He knows where Lizard's Thicket is in Ephesus. Like, he knows where that's at, right? Like, he knows where the Honda dealer is if he needs to go look for a car. He knows all that. He knows the town. He knows the people. This isn't like something way out there, some, some mystery that somebody wrote. This is an actual letter from a real man to a real group of people. So when we open it up, it has feelings to it. It's not just, it's not just this thing to be studied and mastered like a textbook. It's a letter. I'll read a little bit up to you. We've, uh, we've read about half the first chapter. And by the way, when it was written, it was written like a letter. There's no chapters. Somebody smart broke it up so I could tell you where to look right now. And they called this chapter 1, verse 15. Ever since I, Paul, first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. So he's, he's writing to these people, and I think for you and me, sometimes I pick up and I read a paragraph like that of the Bible, and it kind of just like flies over my head. Maybe it does for you too. Maybe it just flew over your head as I just read it. So let's just walk through it and kind of go line by line. He says, I first heard. So Paul's been with them twice. He dropped in and then he was there for three years and now he's in prison and he's writing back to them. And he says, when I first heard, so he's just heard about them again. He heard about the Ephesians. He says, I heard of your strong faith. I thought particularly interesting just thinking about a church. I would love for it to be said about us that they heard of our strong faith. What's faith mean? Hebrews 11 says, being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's what faith means. And so when he heard about this church in Ephesus, he heard about their faith, their strong faith, which I think is a great compliment to a church. Um, they believe in Jesus. They don't just believe in historical Jesus. I mean, everybody, virtually everybody now, 
knows that there was an historical Jesus, a real man who walked the planet. But they believed in Jesus as the Savior. They had given their lives to, them, to him. And when people saw the church at Ephesus, one of the things that registered in their mind was their faith in Jesus. And then he says, not only did, do, they, do they talk about their faith in the Lord Jesus, but also your love for God's people everywhere. Like, so they were known for their faith, which is a great compliment, and for their love, their love for people. I don't know about you, but a lot of times at weddings, they read 1 Corinthians 13. I don't know if you know this, this chapter in the Bible. It's, it's like a poem. It's about love, so they, it's a good time to read it at a wedding. But if you're, if you're like the one getting married, the standard is ridiculous. So, like, you're going through the definition of your love, and you're like, you mean I got to love her like that? Because it says I got to be patient. I got to be kind. I'm not supposed to envy. I'm, I'm not supposed to boast. I'm not supposed to be proud. And then one of the worst ones, or best ones, keep no record of wrongs. You ever, yeah, like, Cheryl be a little hot with me, and I'll think I have no record of wrongs. All of a sudden, I'm like, I do got a list in my pocket. Let me, let me, let me. Back in 1999, you remember what you did in 1999? Anybody else do that? Well, the definition of love would be that I don't have a list, that I got all of this generosity inside of me because I love. And he's saying about these folks, which is pretty cool, he says, people know you by your faith and by your love for one another. Uh, Jesus said to the disciples that your love for one another will prove that you are my disciples. It'll actually be, it's what they'll know you for, the way you love each other. And everybody out in the world, they're going to know you related to me, Jesus, because of your love. So the Ephesians, I mean, it's kind of a celebration. If somebody riding down the road sees the R with the circle on it, there's six of them. The one in Irmo is temporary, so it only goes up on Sunday. But when you go by and see that R, if they were to say this about us, I celebrate. You? This is what they say about us? Man, this is why gossip is so ugly. Because it just confuses the heck out of everybody because we're supposed to be known for our love for one another. So when we talk about one another to somebody else, it's just, it's just confusing because it's the, it's, it's the polar opposite of the design. We're supposed to be the most generous, the most forgiving people on the planet. We're supposed to be the hardest people to offend. We're supposed to be the last people to vent. Because we got this enormous amount of love to distribute. And so he says about the Ephesians, it's a good report. He says, this is what I've heard about you. You have great faith and you love well. And then he says, I've not stopped thanking God for you. He's thankful that there's this church. For me, I, I don't know if you guys, some of you guys that are new, I was here at the very beginning of this church and then I've been gone, then I've been back. It's a long story I won't explain. But when I'm far away, it's always cool to think back to this I don't know, this mission house right here in Lexington, when I'm somewhere else in the work that's being done here, it's a mission outpost for the gospel. So when Paul is looking back to this church at Ephesus where he spent three years, now he's in jail, and he's just thank, he's thanking God that they're still getting the work done. You can tell that he, he loves them. So sometimes when you read the Bible, it feels so far away. This isn't, you know, when Cheryl used to write me a love letter, Man, she would write like 12 page front and back, six pages front and back. 
And I write, like, I try to fill a whole page, you know, like, <laughs> like I said, all periods, no commas. Like, I, anyway, like, I, 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 she would write me this thing, and you read that a little different than you read everybody else's stuff. You know, like when Wells Fargo sends me something, I ain't reading that. I throw it out of way, right? Like, no offense if you work for Wells Fargo. I just get junk mail. Anyway, uh, Cheryl sends me a letter back in the day. I'm reading it word for word, and that's what this is. It's a letter from a guy who loves some people. And so... He's going to pray for them, and I just want us to take the rest of our time and talk about his prayer. It says this, I pray for you constantly. That's what you do when you love someone. Asking God, the glorious Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. What a great verse. How do you pray for people that you love? Like, it's, it's really... I don't know about you, but a lot, a lot of times I pray for something that I want for them or something they want. Like right now, Malachi three-pointer is just not going in, and I cannot figure it out. So when I pray for Malachi, it's really, I literally pray that the three-pointers will go in. Like, let's get the percentage up. Let's go. The form's right. I'll get one of y'all to work with him later, but let's get, let's get this thing to go. And so that's a legitimate prayer, right? Like when I'm looking for a Honda, I'm praying that the right one will be on Craigslist, right? I haven't figured out Marketplace yet. But I want it on Craigslist at the right price. Like I'm, those are reasonable prayers. Those are prayers for this world. But when you read this, it's a great reminder, and I feel this inside when I'm praying that Malachi's three-pointer goes in. But, Lord, what I really want for my son, Malachi's my son, by the way, what I really want for my son is for him to grow in spiritual wisdom and insight. So, if missing the three-pointer is better for him to grow in spiritual wisdom and insight. I don't want that to be the way we get this done, Lord. But that's what I want. That's the bottom line. That's what I want. So, Paul's praying. If he was here praying for the Lexingtonians, right, in the book to, to the Lexingtonians, he'd be praying that we would be full of spiritual insight and wisdom. How do you get wisdom? I, I learned this trick back in the day. Um, an older guy told me, if you want to grow in wisdom, I was in my 20s. He says, read the chapter in Proverbs that matches the day of the month. So the day's the 21st, so I'd read Proverbs 21. Make sense? So there's 31 chapters. It kind of matches the month. Really cool. So I'd read Proverbs 21, and then I'd pick one verse out of there. There's, there's usually 25 or 30. And I'd try to figure out which one matches matches me. And here, here's one that I read today. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. poverty. Not, not complicated. Everybody agree with that? Sometimes I'm a hard worker and a bad planner. Anybody else? Some of y'all are really good planners, but you don't work like none. So none of us, so we're not prosperous. But when, we, when you put those two together, there's, there's prosperity. But when you take shortcuts, which I have been known to do, it costs right? Like it costs. So that's just a proverb. I'm growing, I'm growing in wisdom by reading it and comparing it to my life. But when he says spiritual wisdom, you think he's talking about Proverbs? I think Proverbs are great. So read it all you can, especially if you're on the younger half of life. It's a great foundational reading. But this is, this is a wisdom like, like you understand the true nature of things. That's pretty cool. Paul's writing to the Ephesians. He's praying over, I want you to have spiritual wisdom. I want you to understand the true nature of things. Wouldn't that be interesting, like, if when you flip open your phone and you're scrolling the news, that you could read it and understand the true nature of things through the lines of all, whichever side that's being presented. When you go to work, you could look around and go, 
the true nature of things. This weekend at Thanksgiving dinner when all chaos is breaking loose, right? Like, could you see the true nature of things? Could you understand where people really are at a spiritual level, not just what's going on out of their mouth and with their stuff? I used to always, uh, when, I, when I talked to somebody that I was discipling, one of my lines was, how's your spiritual life? Which is just a weird question to ask, I realized later, because they'd always tell me, well, you always say, how's your spiritual life? What does that even mean? I mean, I mean this. Do you, do you understand the true nature of things? Like, are you spending time with God so that you can see the true nature of things? Paul's praying that for them. And then he says that he's praying for them to have insight, that God would actually reveal. Uh, a lot of translations use the word revelation, that God would actually reveal himself to you. That's a pretty good prayer. I'll pray that at the end today. I'm going to pray for you, the people of the church of Radius, for us to have spiritual in- insight and to have true knowledge of who God is. Because this is what he says in the passage. He comes on down. He says, I'm praying for those things so that you might grow. It's a great word for Christians. So that you might grow in your knowledge of God. What's he mean by knowledge of God? My uh, fifth child, JT, some of y'all know, uh, JT is studying abroad. He's in Jerusalem crazy place to get to study and so he sent a text to the whole family one of his homework assignments was he had to draw the nation of israel and like draw all the cities on it and like mountains and so he's got this like two page like this and this thing that he drew he had to draw it all from memory and submit it some test they're about to take so he sends it to the family looking for a little affirmation forgetting that he has four brothers Brothers aren't the best at affirmation, if you haven't, haven't, haven't learned. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a comedy act. As soon as the thing hits, immediately, like, somebody's asking, is, is that a drawing of their boot or something like that? Like, and they just, they're just going to town. And finally, Cheryl gets in the stream, and Cheryl's like, that's amazing. You remember it? She goes with all her applause and, like, all these emojis on there. And then, of course, they jump in on that. <laughs> they don't call him mama's boy. They call him the golden boy. <laughs> so they, they got this video of the golden boy, and, and, and they're just hammering. Is that the knowledge we're talking about, like the knowledge of knowing where every city in Israel is and how the nation of Israel works and the 66 books in the Bible and, and all? Is that the knowledge it's talking about? No, no, that's good knowledge to have. I'm not knocking. I'm glad he's learning it. He's saying, I'm praying that God will give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you will grow in the knowledge of God, that you actually know him intimately, that he will be your very best friend. Cheryl and I, uh, man, the first year we met, amazing, right? First year, I could not get over her brown eyes and, and, and talked about it all the time and wrote poems about it. Yeah, I even wrote poems. That's how bad it was. Like, I, like, like I, I'm, I'm getting to know her. And so I, I saw her from a distance, and now I'm getting to know her. And then three years later, we get married. Now we've been together, married 32, 35 years of relationship. And, and I'm not always consumed with her brown eyes anymore, right? Like, like some things have changed through the years. I'm not always, but here's what is true. I can finish her sentences. I know her. I knew about her brown eyes. I knew some things that I really liked about her in the early days. And the early days of knowing Jesus are awesome. We love it when a brand new Christian's around because it reminds us how great it is when you first meet Jesus. But we also love it with those of y'all have been walking with Jesus for 32 years and you can finish his sentences. It's beautiful. I go to Aldi 
You know what? I know exactly what Mrs. Reeves wants because I can finish her sentences. The other day I'm down here and I saw this sweater. So I decided to bring it home. It was yellow. It was, it was just like it was just the right color to match my wife's com- complexion. So I come in the door and I hang it up and, and she picks it up. I go, it's $10 because I know, I know my wife. She, like, it, it don't matter how beautiful it is. If it's $20, we're taking it back. Right? Like, did you get it off? I did. And so she went and tried it on. And what I didn't calculate, younger ladies, I didn't calculate this because my wife's 54. Like, it ended like right there. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> but she said she ain't wearing that in public. So if you ever see her, she's going to have like a T-shirt or something under her. Like, like, I'm like, baby, they literally cut that thing short. <laughs> I knew she loved that sweater. I knew she liked it all the way through. I just didn't know the new styles. And, and there's this... Uh, joy of knowing somebody that well and that's what he's talking about paul's praying that god would help you that he would help the ephesians know him right know the brown eyes that initial when you first believe but know him be able to finish his sentences and so in your neighborhood you're the one right oh seriously like you're the one in your neighborhood that can talk about god because you know him. It's a lot of responsibility. He says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. In the Bible, heart is not this thing. I, had, I did my stress test thing recently. Like they did the stress test and evidently my heart's working well. That's, that's, that's the muscle in there. But, but in the Bible, when, in, in the olden days, when they use the word hearts, it's the center of one's personality. So he says, I pray that your hearts... Your, the center of your personality will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope. I love that. The flooded, NLT goes flooded with light. Other translations go enlightened. The lights come on. I, I hope that your heart, the, the center of your personality, that the lights come on and it illuminates everything in here. And it would illuminate this fact that you have a confident hope. I love the way NLT uses the word confident. Most translations just use the word hope, which is more accurate. But confident kind of gives you the understanding. Back in those days, they weren't talking about, like, I hope the Gamecocks win Saturday. What do you know? They won. They like, like, but see, we weren't confident in that hope until the game was over. You weren't confident until two minutes left if you're a Gamecocks fan, right? I hope you don't have any hope for this Saturday. There ain't no hope. But anyway, like... <laughs> confident hope like like this isn't like we know it's going to happen if you go back to the earlier part of the chapter uh paul writes to them and tells us if you've believed in jesus then you've been adopted as sons ladies why does he say sons why do they say sons and daughters i'll tell you why because in those days the daughters didn't receive the inheritance so he's actually saying to all male and female that you're adopted as sons because you're going to get an inheritance. And so there's this confident hope when you've been adopted into the family. He wants to turn the lights on. Some of our lights have been dimmed over the years. You believed and it kind of it's getting dim. Somebody's moving that dimmer button. It's going down. And perhaps we need to exercise some disciplines to relight our inside so that we can be confident in our hope. Adoption of sons. I, I read this, I think it was Tony Evans. He says, when you're adopted as a son, you gain access. My kid can come to me anytime he wants, right? Everybody can't, but he can. You gain inheritance. When everything's over, you get apart. You get apart. You gain security. And I love the fourth one. You gain discipline. 
underrated in our society, the discipline of a father. As a matter of fact, if you've never been disciplined by God, Hebrews would say you're not saved. He disciplines us. Every good father disciplines their children. It's a gift. It's not a curse. It's, it's this gift. And so when you have confident hope, you're looking forward to the end because this thing's done. If the two of us were working on an assembly line, we are standing side by side, we were just doing our job. If on your way into work, the boss man came over and whispered in the ear, at the end of the day, I'm going to pay you $100. You're like, all right, that sounds fair. So you, you work all day, and at the end of the day, you get a $100 bill. But he whispered in my ear, I'm going to pay you a million dollars at the end of the day. Well, guess what, Mom? I don't care what happens on that assembly line, but I'm just staying. Like, I don't care if people are yelling at me. I, like, I, like, there's this confident hope at the end of the day, not in something that I've earned, but in something that I'm being given. Makes me different. Makes me operate. I'm supposed to stand out in all of the world because I'm confident in what's happening at the end. It's just good news all in this passage. I pray that your hearts be flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. You catch that? If you're a believer, if you could come up here and take bread and juice rightly today, you believe in Jesus. He says that you, that I, that we are his rich and glorious inheritance. What you talking about? I'm looking at some of y'all. Y'all don't look like much of an inheritance, right? Like inheritance, like I, Cheryl and I watch Perry Mason at night. Great way to fall asleep. It's black and white. Some of y'all have never heard of Perry Mason. Somebody gets killed every show. It's, it's a lawyer show. And uh, he defends them. I fall asleep like 12 minutes in. It's, it's better than, 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 the, than the sleeping stuff. I just watch a little Perry. So we watch Perry, and like invariably there's a will. Because people get killed when there's wills with lots of money. <laughs> so, like, there's a will, and Perry's job is to read out all the assets, and, and then the family's got to sort out where the assets go. Here's what this is saying. When, when we read the will to God at the very end, he says, you are my assets. You're what I want. You're my glorious inheritance. How in the world are you his most valuable possession? Like, Cheryl's already planning. They plan with her mom. Like, there's certain books in her mom's house that she wants. She's got this plan. There's a certain book in there. What are we going to do with a book? But for Cheryl, that would be a glorious inheritance to get certain, certain things. When God gets at the very end, what he wants, he wants you. Why? Because of the price he paid. Because he loved you, and he paid an infinite price on your behalf in Jesus' blood and body. <laughs> You're his most valued possession. You down today? I'm high and low at times. It's this great thing to go back and remember. Not only am I made in the God, image of God at creation, but if you've been saved, you're his glorious inheritance. Read you a couple more verses. We'll quit. It says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness. So he's still praying. The incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler, authority, power, or leader, or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ. He has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church, and the church is his body. And it's made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Again, like, 
we kind of roll through. Remember, Paul is praying for these people. If he was here today, he'd be praying for you. And he'd say, I pray that you would understand, that you would know the incredible greatness of God's power. My kids last Christmas bought me a, uh, uh, it's a still commercial backpack blower. Anybody got one? It's, it's the thing, I'm telling you. I, I don't know what they paid for it, but for years. My old blower, I think it was 20 years old, and like, you know, the arm that comes out that you blow with, it broke, or I couldn't find it, so I went to, I went to Home Depot and bought a PVC pipe and screwed it in on the end and like, like cut the end. So, yeah, I'm the redneck in the neighborhood. And this arm was getting so much, I think, so heavy, like you, you blowing leaves. I've been doing that for years. They bought me this brand new still backpack commercial level, and I mean, I'm talking about I'm blowing the neighbor's yards. I blew the whole cul-de-sac. I'm getting texts. They all love me because I got power on my back, right? Like I'm blowing an out. Cheryl's not here. In an hour and a half, I blew my whole yard. I blew the whole cul-de-sac. I blew the people walking on the street praising my name because there's not leaves that they're walking through because I got power on my back, and I'm demonstrating it. Man, this is saying in the past, this is not complicated. He, he's, he's saying to us that he wants us to know, right, know the power that we have in God. You know what it does? just makes you really generous made me want to blow the neighbor's yards i got all this power like let's let's use it this is this is fun matter of fact the more i use it the better i get i did find out that it has so much power if it hits cheryl's plants <laughs> it can remove dirt it can blow them off what they were on it's like i put it back fast and all that but like it like you got to figure out how to handle that power because the truth needs to be timely you don't always you tell the truth at the right time then i learned how to Walk with it. Anybody else good with a blower? Like you, you kind of get these steps going and you can move. You can move all kinds of stuff. So at the beginning, you just make a path right up the middle because you don't know how to handle the power. But the better you get to know the power, the more generous you can be. And it's fun to be generous because you've got this power on your back. He's saying, I want you to understand it. I want you to know it. How's your spiritual life? You don't know that power on your back. It's not great yet. Man, we, we want you to learn to harness that power that's been given to you. God actually in the scripture says that he's given you the Holy Spirit. So isn't it interesting? A little bit we're going to sing. We're singing to God, but we're, we're actually worshiping the Holy Spirit who's inside of us. So we're worshiping. We're worshiping the Holy Spirit, and he's, he's translating for the Father. It's pretty, pretty crazy to imagine because I know myself. That's, that's overwhelming. Then when he wants to demonstrate this power on our back, you know what he uses? He uses the resurrection. He, he uses the example. Instead, of, like if you want me to say how strong and powerful God is, where are you going? I'm going creation. Like he spoke a word and the stars came into the sky. And you talk about the solar system and how it works. And I'm going to go through the details and you can just talk about our body, we got a couple of doctors in there. They could just tell you the details of how this thing works right here when we get sick and how it recovers. All that would speak of the power of God. But Paul, what's he go to? He goes straight to the resurrection. And when he wants to explain the power, he says, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in a place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. That's why uh, baptism service is so amazing, right? Because we're celebrating, we're actually witnessing because it's a time to take what's already happened and make it known to everybody. So when, whether it's a young person or an old person, 
when they're dunked into water, we're, we're remembered, remembering that they were co-crucified with Christ and co-buried. If you do it in a river, you can't see them. They're underground. And then when they come up, isn't that when everybody claps their hands and you want to hug somebody who's wet, right? Like, like they, they come up and, and there's hugs and there's celebration because we're celebrating the resurrection. It's the most powerful thing on the planet that God could redeem his people. By sacrificing his son and making a way for us to have relationship with him. Uh, I think it's bigger than this when I read the passage. I don't think it's just about our salvation moment. He says that, ra- that you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated in him. At the- so so there's, this, there's this expectation that we would experience that. We'd be co-resurrected with Jesus. And if you believed in him, you have been. Every time I read that, I think of this, uh, this is a passage in Philippians. It says this, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the bed, dead. It always bothers me. I don't know if it bothers you. I want to know that power. I'm not sure that I do. I know that he saved me. I know that I know the power in that sense. But I want to walk in that power. And so I keep asking him, keep walking. Even as I speak right now, I realize I'm, I'm reading God's word. And, man, it's a dream for us here at Radius that the power of his word would land in your ears and make its way to the center of your personality and change you. That's what we want. Now he's far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. That means whether you didn't like the tweets of the last president or you hate the gas prices of this president, like it doesn't really matter. He's like, I'm above them. Like, relax. Believers, y'all are so amped up about who it is in charge. Like, like, relax. I'm in charge. I'm the king. I'm king over all that. And then he goes further. Hey, you worried about like these little physical rascals that are walking around. Like, like there's, there's actually a demonic world out there. <laughs> and, and any ruler on this planet that's physical, just like they pale in comparison to the greatness of the demonic world. And he says, not only in this world, but in the world to come. Like I dominate. Back in the day when, when a king would win a battle and take out another king, an artist would draw a picture and they would depict the, the enemy king on the ground and, and the, the winning king with his foot on his throat. That's where we, that's where we get that phrase, put your foot on his throat. Like, in a form of dominance, he's under me, right? It's not just choking him out so you can go there. It's this picture of him being under me. He's beneath my feet. And Jesus is saying about the whole world, the good governments, the bad governments, they're all under my feet. The the demonic world, the, the supernatural world, it's all under my feet. And you related to me. He says that clearly in the next couple verses, and we'll quit. He says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ. He's made him head over all things for the benefit of who? The church. If you believed in Jesus, you're a part of the universal church. And you stand with the one who stands on top of all going on on the planet. And the church is his body. And it's made full and complete by Christ in a pretty interesting line, one that the scholars love to talk about, who fills all things everywhere with himself. I'll just take one shot. We'll quit. This is what Tony Evans says. He says, the church is the full expression of Christ in the world. So, 
when he lights us up, we bring light to the world. It's, it's our job. We're the ones that are demonstrating his greatness to the world. So Paul is praying over them. He's praying that they'll grow in spiritual wisdom and insight. He's praying that they'll realize the power that's on their back and learn to use it so that the world could hear the good news. Uh, about three weeks ago, Mr. Dick Ryerson passed away. He's been a partner at Radius for a little over 10 years. At 65, he and his wife Barbara decided to go help plant uh, Radius White Knoll, which I think is amazing. He, uh, man, everybody I talk to just talks about him being faithful. He's, I think, our first, the very first and only person at Radius uh, partner that has died of COVID. But to the very end, he was faithful. He would never be on this stage. If he was alive today and heard me talking about him, he would blush. That's not, it was not his thing. He was just faithful. He was a light. He knew what he had. He wasn't loud about it. You didn't hear him venting about stuff. He just, he just carried it well. One of the most amazing parts about him was his relationship to his wife, Barbara. Barbara died of cancer 14 months ago. Uh, but their relationship married over 50 years. They just, there was just, somebody showed me a picture of them earlier. They, they just had it. Something that God gave them and they shared it. They had people in their home all the time in a really quiet kind of a way. It, it was just transformative to the people around them. He, uh, every time his first deer of the season, he would, he would text me and say, I got some <laughs> venison for you. So he probably brought us that 10 times, uh, eight times, something like that. He forgot to wait in my house every time. It's Mr. Dick. Evidently, you don't want to ride with him wherever he goes. But he would show up with my house with venison, just so happy because I got all these large children in my house, like that he's helping pay the way to feed my kids. All right, like, like just that. You know what was weird is people would tell me that Mr. Dick was bragging about my sons, Malachi and J.T., the two that he knew. I need to tell you, if you're on the later side of life, you want to bring some light and know about somebody else's kids and, and brag on them when you can. You can instruct them when you're necessary. Like, that's just this gift that you have because you've done it. It's like he, he knew about my kids and he bragged about them. And other people would tell me about him bragging. I'm like, I probably need to brag about my kids a little bit. Mr. Diggs bragged about them more than I am. It was this gift. He was just, he knew what he had, and he was quietly generous with it. We, uh, we prayed at 5 a.m. or 5.30 a.m. at White Knoll forever. Mr. Dick's there every time. Uh, we did this big party at Carolina Springs Elementary School. We had all these bounce houses, and we invited all the people. Mr. Dick, I think he was 71. He wanted to host the the craziest one, right? Like he's in front of the bounce house. The kids are going wild. I'm like, Mr. Dick, let me get that one. He's like, no, nah, I got it. He, he, just, he just gave all the way to the end, and that's really what we're, we're doing here at Radius, whether you're at the very beginning and you just, uh, just started life, you're just a kid, whether you're at the very beginning and you just started having kids, whether your uh, kids are out of the house, whether you're, you're further down the road. Now, all of us, we're walking this path to the glory of God, 
trying to realize what we have so that we could give it away. Really glad to be able to do this with y'all. I don't know if you know the story of Radius Lexington. That's been our story. We've given it away, given it away, and given it away, and we will continue. But we don't want to forget why we give it away. We don't want to just give it away because we are disciplined. We want to give it away because we know we have. I'm a child of God. Let's pray.